Whew, I hope you guys are well today. Yesterday was such a beautiful day, wasn't it? Those are the days that I live for, but in like March and April when we're in kind of this weird winter spring mix, but we get blessed with a beautiful day like that. Usually days like that, one of the things I love to do is to go on a bike ride. Um, now, I remember a few years ago, my, my parents had got me a, a new bike for my birthday, so I'd been enjoying it, and uh, eventually I, I kind of got tired of the majestic views that Beloit has to offer, um, so I decided I was going to I was going to throw my bike in the back of my car. I was going to go up north and I was going to find a cool trail um, that was in the woods, uh, maybe went over streams, stuff like that, something different, right? So I, I did just that. I, I packed some water, I packed some snacks and I headed up north. I found a trail on my phone. Um, I got off the highway and had to drive through the country eventually to find this trail and I, I started riding on the trail and it was perfect. It was exactly what I had hoped for. Um, it was a hot day, but there's this cool and calm breeze that was blowing again, blowing with me and uh, just making it feel even better as I rode. And I remember stopping at one of the streams at one point and having some water, taking a break, having some snacks, getting back on my bike and just continued to ride. The trail was busy that day. Lots of people. I was waving to people. I was saying hi to people. I remember at one point I took a break and I was talking to some people, um, just enjoying myself, to be honest. Eventually, after about three hours of riding, I, I realized, you know, I'm going to have to go back to my car eventually. So the farther I get away, I'm still going to have to go that distance back. Um, so I turn around. I start heading back towards the car. Immediately, I realized that I had been going with the wind as I was going away from my car. And now as I head back to my car, I'm going against the wind and that wind has transformed into this monster, like the smoke monster on Lost or something. It's just blowing against me. It's this hot, thick, disgusting wind and it's making my ride back to my car a struggle. Um, I, I almost, I start to think, well, maybe I'm not gonna make it. The trail kind of goes through uh, a small town. I thought, well, maybe I can get, ride my bike into that town, call someone, they can come pick me up, take me to my car. I don't do that. I, I feel like that would be too embarrassing. So uh, I just push forward again, fighting against the wind. I'm already fatigued. It's hot. Now I'm sweating. It's later in the day. The wind is blowing the sweat into my eyes. I'm struggling to see, but I keep pushing forward. Eventually, I do make it back to my car. Uh, it's a sweet sight to see. I put my bike in the back. I get in the driver's seat. I crank the AC, and I just sit there, and I don't move for like 15 or 20 minutes. I was exhausted. I was so tired. But honestly, sometimes life can feel like that, right? We're, we're enjoying life sometimes. We're, we're kind of moving with the wind. We're uh, saying hi to people. We're waving at people, enjoying our time with people. Then out of nowhere, the wind changes. And it's almost like the life is blowing that wind against us, making every step a struggle. We seem to find ourselves in these situations that are just draining us mentally and emotionally. We find ourselves in situations, um, work issues, relationship issues, financial issues. Maybe uh, you simply have kids. 
Kids are exhausting. But we find ourselves in these situations and it almost feels like life is against us. Like we're constantly going against the wind and every step is a struggle. The wind exhausts us. We're no longer smiling and waving at people, right? But instead we're avoiding people altogether. The constant blowing wind of life, it starts to affect our vision. We're struggling to see clearly. We're starting to lose faith in ourselves. Starting to feel like things are out of control. That relentless blowing wind of life, it dulls our senses. It creates fear within us and it makes our hearts cold and tired. The dulled senses, that leads to a lack of vision. Trouble seeing God's big picture, trouble seeing people the way God sees people, trouble seeing situations the way God sees them. The created fear, that leads to a lack of faith, which leads us to feeling hopeless, thinking that failure is imminent, making us feel like our life is out of control. Our cold and tired hearts, they make us stubborn, which leads to a lack of compassion, which keeps us from doing what we know needs to be done, keeps us from helping others the way God wants us to help others. Have you been there? Have you come today or are you at home watching online and you feel like you're caught in that wind, that you're pushing against these winds of life, that every step is a struggle? How do we regain our vision? How do we regain our faith? How do we regain our compassion? How do we calm this wind? How do we calm these situations that are leaving us exhausted? In the book of Mark, uh, towards the end of chapter six, we see the disciples tired and exhausted. Uh, they're returning to Jesus. Jesus had just sent them out two by two to go into the different towns in Galilee. He wanted them to go and do ministry. He wanted them to go and spend time with hurting people, to help people, to heal people. Uh, I'm imagining that they probably felt the sting of the winds of life while they were doing that ministry. I'm imagining that it was not easy for them, that they came back mentally and emotionally drained. Uh, But Jesus, he wanted to spend time with them. He wanted to learn about their experiences and how it made them feel. So they gathered together. But at, at this point, Jesus was a rock star. Uh, So people were constantly recognizing Jesus and and coming up to him and interrupting them as they met. Kind of like if you see my dad in a restaurant, people are always talking to him and he's making his rounds. But Jesus gets to the point where he says, okay, this isn't going to work. I want want to spend some one-on-one time with you guys. I want you guys to rest. Let's hop in the boat. Let's go someplace where there's no one else, someplace remote. Um, and we'll spend some time together and you guys can, can rest. And they say, okay, that sounds good to us. They hop in the boat, they start heading down the shore. But people along the shore, as they see the boat, they see Jesus. They see the disciples, they start following the boat down the shore. So they're on land and they're following after the boat. They're going by all these villages, all these towns, and more and more people keep coming out following the boat. That crowd continues to grow and grow and grow till eventually once Jesus and the disciples, they come to shore, this large crowd is waiting for them. Thousands of people, isn't that insane? Jesus comes off the boat and he sees the people and he's kind of energized. Here's what the Bible says. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. When the large crowd became visible, both Jesus and the disciples, they saw the same thing, 
right? But they had different feelings and response to those people. Jesus, he saw the people, he wanted to spend time with them. He wanted to have compassion on them. He wanted to love them. He wanted to lead them. The disciples, when they saw the people, they saw them as more work. They had just gotten back from doing this ministry. They were tired. They were exhausted. The last thing they wanted to do was spend time with all of these people. But Jesus gets his way and he starts teaching the people and leading the people. Eventually, the disciples, they muster up the courage to approach Jesus, say, hey, maybe it's time to go. We're kind of tired. Here's what the Bible says. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. The need of the crowd, it becomes apparent to both Jesus and the disciples, right? But once again, they have different feelings about fulfilling that need. The disciples send them away. Uh, we're done with them. Just send the people away. Let them go find their own food. We're tired. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. You fulfill that need. This frustrated the disciples even more, right? They were struggling to see what Jesus was doing. Sweat was dripping in their eyes. Their senses had been dulled by the winds of life. They were lacking vision. They were struggling to see people the way Jesus sees people. How often in our own lives do we allow our struggles to affect the way we treat people, the way we see people? Do we send them away? We fail to see what's right in front of us because we're so focused on that struggle. We fail to see who is right in front of us because we're so focused on that wind of life that is blowing against us. How do we regain vision so that we can see the world through God's eyes? How Can we see people the way Jesus sees people? At Jesus's command though, he sends the disciples to see how much food they actually have. So they go and they search, they they come back and they have five loaves of bread and, and two fish. Jesus takes that food, he tells the crowd to have a seat. He then gives thanks to God. He blesses the food. He's not just thanking God for the food though, right? He's thanking God for his goodness, for supplying even this small amount of food that they could share. After Jesus gives thanks, they start passing out the food and quickly those seven pieces of food feed thousands of people. Jesus multiplies the food. Here's what the Bible says. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. There was even food left over. How many basketfuls? 12. How many disciples were there? 12. Kind of interesting, right? The disciples had complained, they had doubted, yet God provided them beyond what they needed. He provided them even enough for them to each have an extra basket full of food. And God used something simple. He used something they already possessed. Imagine what the disciples would have missed had they sent the people away. What do we miss when we lack vision in our own lives. When we're so focused on our struggles, on the winds of life, we tend to put the pressure on ourselves, right? Often making it worse. We rely too heavily on our own capabilities when we should be relying on Jesus and his capabilities. 
When we rely on Jesus instead of ourselves, he will show us the way. Even when we feel like our vision is not clear, the sweat is dripping in our eyes. When we trust Jesus, he will guide us to the place that we need to be and he will provide us with what we need exactly to help others. He'll help you see the way he sees people. God restores our vision by providing what we need and enables us to see people the way he sees people. Once they collected the food, Jesus tells the disciples, okay, you guys hop in the boat, start going across to the other side of the lake. Um, the disciples are like, oh, it sounds good to us. They get in the boat, they start making the way. Jesus returns to the crowd and he starts to send them away. What I love about this is Jesus could have sent that crowd away at any time. He could have gotten to the shore. He could have seen all those people and said, no, 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 not today. You guys just go away. I'm gonna spend time with my disciples but he doesn't, he waits until they are full, until they are satisfied, not just physically with the food he provided, but spiritually as well. Uh, once the crowd disperses, he is exhausted, right? He's tired of this, from this long day of ministry. He goes off to be alone and to pray and spend time with his father. So he heads up the hill and he's kind of overlooking the Sea of Galilee at this point. And he prays and spends time alone. And at this point, the disciples, they're starting to make their way across the lake. And maybe at this point, they're about halfway across the lake. The Bible says they are struggling though. The disciples are struggling. They are straining at the oars because the wind was blowing against them. Can you imagine the disciples at this point? right in the middle of the lake, the fierce wind blowing against them, the waves crashing against the boat. They're already tired. They're already exhausted. At this point, they're not making any progress getting across the lake. They're probably scared and uncertain about what to do next. Should they just turn around? Should they give up? Should they go back? They were starting to lack faith. And then they look up and they see someone walking towards them on the, on the water. They kind of cry out in fear. They, they think it's a ghost. Um, but it wasn't a ghost. It was Jesus. Here's what the Bible says. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Did you catch the part when Jesus almost passes them by without them noticing? Imagine being so wrapped up in something that you don't notice someone walking on water. Imagine focusing so much on your own struggle that you don't notice Jesus right next to you. But the truth is, in my own life, I'm, I'm sure I've gone through struggles. I've, I've fought against and pushed against the winds of life and neglected to turn to Jesus. But there the disciples were, they were struggling against the wind, almost ready to give up. And then, and then here comes Jesus. Take courage, it's me. Don't worry about the waves, I'm with you. Don't worry about the struggle, I'm with you. Don't worry about the wind, I'm with you. And, and then Jesus gets into the boat with them and immediately the wind 
dies down. The very thing that the disciples were struggling against, Jesus calms it. Maybe he doesn't take the wind completely away, but the fierceness of the wind, it decreases significantly. The mere presence of Jesus brought that wind to a manageable state. The disciples were amazed, but their hearts were still hardened. Their, their hearts were still cold and tired. But despite that, they knew in that moment that God was in control, no matter what. And wherever we are in life, Jesus will meet us there. Wherever we, whatever struggle we face, no matter how hard the wind blows against us, Jesus will be there, not only to calm the wind, but he will get into the boat with us. Not always taking the struggle away completely, right? But he helps us manage it. He decreases the fierceness of that struggle, reminding us that God is in control. Take courage. He is with us every step of the way. We just need to lift our heads and search for him. In the midst of the struggle, as we strain at the oars, we need to learn to turn to God and pray, right? What had Jesus done earlier when he was exhausted, when he was tired? He went and spent time praying, spent time with his father. How often do we get beaten and battered by the wind and the waves of life? We focus only on our struggle until we realize we neglected turning to Jesus. We should have turned to him from the start. We turn to him and we realize there's no reason to be afraid. There's no reason to fear. God is in control and we can have hope no matter what. And with that realization, our faith is restored. God restores our faith by calming our fears, reminding us he is in control and is always with us. We are not doing this alone. So with our faith restored now, our, our vision restored, what's that mean for our cold and tired hearts? our stubborn hearts, our lack of compassion. As the disciples and Jesus, they continued across the lake. They made it to the other side. People on the other side of the lake, now they're recognizing Jesus. Now they're coming to Jesus. Here's what the Bible says. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. All who touched it were healed. The disciples, they continued to witness Jesus's compassion for the people. They continued to witness Jesus's love for the people. They continued to witness God's incredible power. Through that, the stubbornness in their hearts it begins to subside with vision and faith restored while they, while they witness Jesus healing and spending time with the sick, their cold and tired hearts begin to beat in tune with Jesus's. As the winds of life blow against us, because we trust Jesus will provide what we need, we regain our vision. Because we turn to God in prayer in the midst of the struggle and we're reminded he is in control, we regain our faith. With that vision and faith combined, the fire in our cold and tired hearts is reignited. And because of his compassion for us, our compassion is restored. God restores our compassion through his compassion and unconditional love for us, which enables us to love others the way he loves us and reignites our commitment to his mission for life. He's right here, David. It's my son looking for his grandpa. Um... What was I talking about? <laughs> Pizza? 
Um, I'm ready for lunch. Um, but we can only recognize that when our vision and faith is fully restored, right? That's how we recognize his amazing love, his power alive in our life. We begin to see the world the way he sees it. We begin to see his sovereignty. We begin to see his control in our life. And we begin to love others the way Jesus loves others. Years ago, I got to live out a dream of moving to Puerto Rico and working at this school that I had fallen in love with. I sold everything I had to do so. My car, a ton of other stuff. Um, I only took a a little amount of things with me. I took some clothes, an Xbox, a PS4, you know, the essentials. Um, I didn't have much, but I was excited about the adventure. I was was excited about being in this um, different culture, being in a place where I didn't know the language, which was kind of scary. But after about five months of living there, I was exhausted. I was tired. The winds of life were just blowing against me. I was pushing against the wind and I was neglecting to turn to Jesus. I was just putting my head between the knees and that wind, would, that wind was just shoving that boat around the lake. I was lonely. I felt isolated being in a country where I didn't know the language. I, I was so far away from friends and family, even though I had so many amazing people surrounding me and loving me in Puerto Rico, I felt so alone. It was my first year being a, a full-time teacher. Usually your first year as a teacher is usually the hardest. And I felt like I was not good at it. I felt like I was failing. I, I felt like at the end of the year, they're probably just gonna tell me, hey, we're good. We don't need you to teach again. Why don't you head back to the States? And there was an abundance of all these little things that were just stacking up that was making me feel frustrated. One big thing was I had no car. Uh, If I needed to go someplace, I had to get a ride or usually I was walking. Um, And walking in Puerto Rico is not fun because it is hot. But I was so tired. I felt so alone. I was exhausted. But it was around that time that randomly I got the opportunity to get a car. I remember walking about an hour uh, to check out the car and (laughs) and to test drive it. The car was absolutely terrible, but the price was perfect. Um, It was a 1998 Kia Sophia and it was purple. But again, the price was perfect. With some help from my dad, I was able to purchase the car. Um, And honestly, I I just felt like that car was such a blessing. Uh, I felt like that car was aiding me in restoring my vision, my faith, my compassion. It, It was such a morale booster. Now, I remember one day I was at the end of the day, I was leaving the school. I got into my car. I started it up, cranked up the AC. The AC worked. That's all that matters, right? Um, and I see this elderly woman walking past the school. I'd been seeing her every so often the past couple weeks. And she's always walking. She's always sweating. She's always fanning herself. Um, and it seems like she's having to walk a great distance. And me, if you don't know me, I am an introvert. Um, So what I do next is out of my comfort zone, but I felt so blessed to have this car. I knew what she was going through. So I decide I'm going to offer her a ride home. So I drive down the street. She's down the street at this point and I pull up next to her. Now here's the thing about my 1998 Kia Sophia that was purple. The driver's side door does not work. 
So to get into the car, you have to, try, you have to crawl through the passenger side door. To get out of the car, you have to crawl through the passenger side door. Eventually, way down the road, um, the passenger side door broke too. So I would have to crawl in through the back side. But so I pull up next to her. The window on the driver's side door also doesn't work. I crawl out the passenger side door. She's just standing kind of stunned, looking at me like, what is this dude doing? But I go up to her and I, I try to explain, you know, I, I'd like to give you a ride home if you need one. Um, she only speaks Spanish, so I, I do my best to explain. Eventually she understands and she agrees. So I go and I climb back in the car first. Uh, then she climbs in and we start driving. And I just explain to her, hey, just point, point to where you need me to go. She understands. And so she starts pointing, giving me directions of where to take her. Eventually we end up at a grocery store. Um, this is like right in the middle of San Juan and um, right in the middle of the city. So it's like a mom and pop grocery store. So there's no parking lot. So I just park right in the front and she tells me to wait in Spanish and I understand it, thankfully. Uh, but she gets out, she goes into the grocery store and I am confused. It's like, what is happening? And she's getting a water, maybe she's thirsty. Eventually she emerges from the grocery store, arms full of groceries. The store clerk behind her, arms full of groceries. All right, whatever. I open the door for them. Now, here's the thing about my 1998 Kia Sophia that was purple. It was not an SUV. It was not a big car. Have, have you ever seen French bread? Long pieces of bread. Puerto Rico has bread like that and it is delicious. Um, but she bought one of those loaves. So that a loaf of that bread is going past my head the rest of the drive, hit me in the head every so often. But whatever, I'm trying to do something nice. Um, we continue to drive. She continues to give me directions. We end up at a house. And I'm thinking, okay, this is her house. Do I get out? Do I help her with her groceries? What should I do? She tells me to wait. All right, she gets out. And most houses in, in that area in Puerto Rico, they have like these gates in front of them. And then they have the house. So you'd go up, you'd ring a bell and someone would come out. She goes up, she rings the bell. Someone comes out. Um, lets her in. She goes into the house. And again, I'm sitting there confused. Don't know what's going on. Eventually she comes out of the house and she's holding something close to her. I can't really see what it was until she gets right next to the car. It's a dead chicken. She's about to bring a dead chicken into my 1998 Kia Sophia. Is she crazy? But whatever, I'm trying to be nice. She, I open the door for her, she gets in. Still, I'm confused. We, we continue to drive. As she's giving me directions, eventually I hear, <laughs> the chicken is alive. And at this point, this chicken is starting to freak out. Now, here's the thing about me. I do not do live chickens. They kind of freak me out. So I don't know, you know, what the protocol is when you have a live chicken freaking out in your arms and you're in this enclosed space. But I would assume that the thing you do not want to do is to just let that chicken go, right? But she lets that chicken go and that chicken is going nuts, balking and squawking and just jumping around the car. Eventually it lands on my lap and I about wet my pants. Because again, I don't do chickens. They got these beady little eyes, little brains. You don't know what they're thinking. 
but I'm trying to be polite, right? I don't want to offend this lady. I'm trying to get that chicken off my lap as nicely as possible. Eventually it lands up on my shoulder and I'm trying to knock it off my shoulder with the bread that's been going past my head. Eventually it, it, it jumps back or it jumps into the back seat and I'm just praying to God, please let me survive this car ride. She continues to give me directions. We end up at another house and I begin to believe this is her house because she starts to say, thank you, thank you over and over. Um, but this is where I'm even more confused, even more confused than a live chicken in my car. You wanna know why she's always walking past the school? She lives right next to the school. She lives right down the street. I picked her up right next to her house. But whatever, thankfully she grabs the chicken. She's got that thing in a chokehold. I was not gonna touch it, but she gets out. I grab the groceries for her. I go and place them in front of her gate uh, where she tells me to. And she's continuing to just say, thank you, thank you. I say, no problem. Dios te bendiga. God bless you. I walk back to my car. I start to drive away and I think I'm never helping someone again in my life. <laughs> never, ever. But a few days later, I find out that this woman's husband had actually passed away about a month before that. He had been the one that would usually go and do grocery shopping. He had been the one that would usually go and uh, run the errands like getting live chickens, evidently. But she had not been able to do any of that in, until that day that I offered her that ride. And when I learned that, I was just blown away. What are the chances? Five months of me living there for me to randomly get this car at this point, uh, for me to go outside of my comfort zone and, and offer this woman a ride. For this woman, imagine the woman that day straining at the oars maybe, maybe pushing against the wind, fighting against the wind, trying to cope with the passing of her husband. And then here comes this weird guy falling outside of a, passenger side door of a purple car offering her a ride. God's fingerprints were all over it. God's power was at work. A week later, uh, so the school was in the city as well. It was in a residential area. It didn't have a parking lot. So you had to park next to houses down the street and then, and sometimes I was circling around the school to find a parking spot. Uh, one day I find a parking spot down the street. I park the car, I get out, I start walking towards the school and I hear someone saying something and I look and it's this woman. She's leaning through her gate. She's got her arms through and she's telling me to come here. Um, she's saying it in Spanish, but I understand what she's saying. And so I go over, I start to approach her. As I approach, she disappears into the house. I'm confused yet again, but I stand there waiting for her. Eventually she emerges out of the house and she has a plastic container. She hands me the plastic container through the bars. And so I take it and I say, oh, thank you so much. Dios te bendiga. And I walk away, continue to go to school. I get to my classroom. I open the container. It's chicken. <laughs> I don't know if it's the chicken, but it is chicken. At that time, I was a vegetarian, so I did not partake in the chicken. I threw it away. I don't know if that's a terrible thing to do. But at the end of the day, I took the container back to the woman. 
And she seemed so grateful that I, I returned it. And I said, thank you to her. And, and after that, every so often, randomly, when, if she saw me walking to school, she would call me over and she would have a plastic container of food to give me sometimes more chicken, sometimes rice and beans, sometimes this green soup that I still don't know what it is to this day. But I could tell it meant a lot to her when I would take those containers and I would bring them back to her empty. It was almost as if she was having compassion on me. It was almost as if she was treating me the way Jesus treated those people that he found on the shore that day. I kept thinking about that story as I was preparing this sermon. As I read the scriptures, I kept thinking about God providing me what I needed at that time, exactly what I needed at that time, a simple car, how he aided me in seeing people the way he sees people. I thought about my fear subsiding, my faith being restored because of that random car ride, reminding me that God is in control. I thought about the compassion God showed me and the compassion the woman showed me. I felt like it was a miracle, God's power at work in my life. Think about this. Think about all the miracles that we saw today in the scriptures that we read. What's, what do those miracles mean for us today? The first one, multiplied food. What's that mean for us? God will provide what we need. What does, or I'm sorry, God does not just provide physically, but spiritually as well. As we eat our fill, he satisfies us and intensifies our senses. He restores our vision. Jesus walks on water and calms the wind. What's that mean for us? God is in control. He calms our fears and leads us from hesitation and unwavering faith. He restores our faith. Jesus heals the sick. What's that mean for us? God transforms our cold and tired hearts, enabling us to love others the way he does. He restores our compassion. And my friends, that power is alive today. And we might not see it in such dramatic ways, right? We might not see it in um, someone walking on water or someone healing the sick or, or uh, someone multiplying food. We might see it in the simplest of ways, like bringing two random strangers together to share a car ride with a crazy chicken. But his power is alive and it is working in your life, even when you don't notice it. The same power that fed those thousands of people is working in your relationship issues. The same power that allowed Jesus to overcome nature and to walk on the water and calm the wind is working in your financial issues. The same power that allowed Jesus to heal the sick people is surrounding you and your kids and your family. The same power that conquered the grave and raised Christ from the dead is living in you today. And there's no amount of wind, no amount of exhaustion that will ever change that. No matter what storm you are facing, as you push against the winds of life, hold your head up high, wipe the sweat from your eyes. Know that God will provide you with what you need, no matter how tired you may feel. Remind yourself of God's magnificent power. He is sovereign and he is in control. He sees you. He sees you as you strain at the oars. He is ready to come to you, ready to show you love and compassion so that you can do the same for others. So lift up your head, look deep into the winds of life and search for Jesus. Do not let him pass you by. And listen for his voice as he says, take courage, it is I, I am with you. 
Don't be afraid. God is working. We don't see it all right away when we're tired and we're exhausted, but we can be assured that he is moving in our life. He is doing miracle after miracle, sometimes in the simplest of ways, he is moving. Even when you're tired and exhausted, his power is alive, it is present in your life. Have you seen it? Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.